Under the Controlled Substances Act and Corollary State Law, the growth, trafficking, sale, possession, or consumption of psychedelics may be a felony punishable by imprisonment, fines, forfeiture of property, or some combination thereof. Psychedelical X is for general information only. Information provided on the show does not constitute legal advice, nor does your listening to the show create an attorney-client relationship with the host. Hello, I'm attorney Gary Smith, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Psychedelic Alex, The Law of Psychedelics, my ongoing exploration of the question of the law of psychedelics. On today's episode, I've got another book review for you. And the book by Professor Edward F. Anderson is Peyote, the Divine Cactus. I recently acquired this book off of Amazon. It is currently published and widely available to the best of my knowledge. So if you're interested in acquiring a copy, it is able to be acquired. And it is, as the title tells us, exclusively about peyote. And I really like the book, so I I thought I'd at least give a little review and recommend it because I thought it was well-written and worth your time if this is a topic of interest to you. Um, By way of just a a slight introduction, I'll give you an idea from Table of Contents what you'll find in the book. So, chapters include peyote in Mexico, peyote in the United States, ceremonies, the peyote user's experience, medical use, pharmacology, chemistry, botany, and legal aspects. Plus, there are a bunch of appendices and a bibliography as well. One of the things I really enjoyed about this book is that it's really kind of thorough. It's it's a nice deep dive specifically on the topic of peyote. And uh, for those of you who do know a little bit about me, uh, amongst other things, I'm general counsel to the nation's oldest multiracial peyote church, the Peyote Way Church of God, based right here in Arizona. Uh, in addition, I, I am a, a member of the church as well. And I'm constantly trying to learn more about the subject because the lineage of the Peyote Way Church of God does arise from the Native American church, which in turn is a peyotist revival of a more ancient practice of peyotism that in turn combined with Christianity to create today's modern Native American church. So amongst things that I wanted to share with you in the book that I thought was intriguing, which included expanding my own knowledge on the topic, There are a few illustrations and explanations about the different types of peyote ceremonies. For example, here on page 44 is uh, an illustration of the layout of a basic Plains Indian ritual uh, area. And I'll just hold that up to the camera real quick so you get a quick peek at it. Um, And then a few pages later, um, page 55, if you're following along at home, there's an illustration of a different layout that the Navajos use. And I knew that there were variations in the rituals and also in in how the arrangement is laid out, but I'd never really given it a deep thought before, and then seeing this illustration really made me think about it uh, more deeply. And amongst things that I thought was really intriguing was the description how the Navajos use this V-shape at the center of their... I'll call it an altar, but that's probably not a fair word, but at the center of their their, their worship circle. And the V-shape 
interestingly, has some lore and legend around it, including uh, the reason the V came into being. One of the uh, reasons that is described in the book is that the V stands for victory over in Europe during World War II. The Navajo Code Talkers, who you may know about from American history, were pivotal in the United States' ability to win the war against Nazi Germany. And as a result, some believe that the V at the center of the Navajo Circle is in honor to the Navajo Code Talkers, whose assistance helped the United States prevail. But another uh, equally prevailing theory as to the source of the V is that the V stands for Christ's victory over death. Um, I don't know which is true, but again, this was just one little tidbit out of this book that I thought was really intriguing, so I thought to share it with you. Um, another great thing I found in the book, and I was really thrilled to encounter the reference, uh, here on page 167 in the Religious Freedom section, there's a description of the Arizona State versus Mary Attakai case, which is a 1960 peyote case right here in my home state of Arizona. And if you're a follower of the show, you'll know last year I did a review of the Attakai case. And I was absolutely thrilled to find this reference because I had not seen any reference to Attakai in any of the other writings I had encountered. I stumbled upon it because I just jumped on Westlaw and decided to do a peyote search in Arizona and stumbled upon that case. And I even went so far as to reach out to the Northern Arizona Museum, or excuse me, the Museum of Northern Arizona, and uh, discovered that they had the complete trial transcripts, and I acquired copies of those, which, by the way, are going to be finally available on my website. So this is perhaps a little pre-announcement. For those of you who don't know, uh, I do have a Psychedelic Alex website that in turn sort of backstops my book and the show and has a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I'm going to be doing a separate announcement about it, but um, since I'm on the topic right now, I will share with you that one of the uh, new sections of my newly revised website is going to be a free online psychedelics law library. And I'm going to be throwing as much of my like public domain and free stuff on there as I can. And I'm also going to be putting out a APB to all of my friends and cohorts that if they've got stuff they want to share and contribute, uh, I'll be expanding the library with their stuff as well. So uh, for those of you who are listening at home, if you've got royalty-free or public domain legal stuff related to psychedelics and you'd like to help contribute to this library, uh, just reach out by email and I'll be happy to uh, take your contributions and put them up. Uh, but in the meantime, back to the book, just to finish a few thoughts on it, again, Peyote, the Divine Cactus by Edward F. Anderson, who is a, a PhD professor of botany and uh, is also published in the Journal of uh, ethnopharmacology, so you can look for him there as well. Uh, I believe he's still alive. I believe he's still teaching, and the book is really well written. It's a nice, deep uh, array of topics all about the peyote plant. And for those of you who thought, well, you know, peyote is really just sort of restricted to religion, uh, not necessarily so. Uh, there's, again, chapters in here on pharmacology and medicine, and one of the things that I kind of knew about, but uh, this book reminded me again, is that peyote is used by Native Americans for far more than religion. It's full-blown medicine for them, and it's used to treat a number of maladies. And one of the interesting things that is mentioned in the book is that peyote has certain antibiotic properties. From what I've been able to research so far, this is not a, a well-known or well-researched topic, but it's entirely plausible that besides its psychoactive effects, 
peyote could be studied and also looked at for its additional medical benefits beyond just the mental health benefits. Um, additionally, I, I do want to also share some commentary coming out of uh, my practice with the Peyote Way Church of God. Right now, California is in consideration of California Senate Bill 519, which is a broad general decriminalization law aimed at, well, most psychoactive plants. And it's not voted into law yet. It's still under consideration. And from what I understand, by the way, I'm recording this in September 2021. I understand that the California legislature is or is imminently going to be taking a recess. They haven't finished debate over uh, Senate Bill 519, but I understand they're going to be coming back in the next session and picking it up where they left off. Uh, The reason I'm bringing this up specifically in reference to a peyote conversation is the following. The um, SB 519 in California is going to be relaxing, if it's passed, of course, is going to be relaxing California law and decriminalize a number of these psychoactive plants. And this includes, for some of them, uh, the right to home cultivate. So, for example, if it passes, you might be able to home cultivate psilocybin mushrooms. However, um, due to what I think is pressure in part from people sensitive to the Native American church's sensibilities towards peyote, because they revere peyote as, as the literal embodiment of spirit, there was a, a compromise struck in the Senate bill that home cultivation of peyote would not be permitted. Instead, other mescaline-bearing cacti, for example, San Pedro cactus, would be permitted. Um, which, uh, from my perspective, any advance is an advance. Take it, be happy. But I will share that I disagree with the exclusion of home cultivation of peyote. And I know in speaking with the elders of the Peyote Way Church of God that the Peyote Way Church of God's perspective also is they would also prefer to see home cultivation allowed, permitted. Um, That's not how the current draft of 519 reads. Um, The logic behind why the peyote should be cultivated at home or permitted to be cultivated at home is strictly, from our perspective, uh, an effort to try to preserve that plant. Right now, peyote is endangered. It only grows in the domestic United States here in the Sonoran Desert and adjacent to us, the Chihuahuan Desert and down into Mexico. But due to climate change, human encroachments, and other pressures, the wild peyote is rapidly disappearing and becoming increasingly harder to find. It is genuinely threatened, and all indications are its situation is not going to improve without some human intervention. So while absolutely yes, we do revere the peyote plant, we do respect its spiritual nature, the reality is it needs human help. Leaving it to its own devices is really not a long-term good prospect for it. So we think home cultivation will help to preserve the peyote. It will reduce the number of poachers taking what is available in the wild and will also help to disseminate the genetics of peyote, which in turn should theoretically help its long-term survivability. So, again, not going to knock SB 519, uh, and again, any advance towards decriminalization or, or allowing of access to these substances we think is a good thing, but when it comes to peyote in particular, we do want to see that plant better protected, and we encourage home cultivation 
in the change of law in order to help achieve that goal. So that being said, uh, I really enjoyed the book. I, I highly recommend it. Um, depending on how motivated I am, I might even reach out and uh, ask if Edward Anderson might consider coming on the show at some time to chat about this, because I'll tell you, the man is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and I was also tickled to see that his book is, in fact, published through the University of Arizona Press. So that's near and dear to my heart and right here at home. So anyway, I encourage you to get the book, read it. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience, and it's available on Amazon. Have a question about psychedelics and the law? You're welcome to submit them. Please send your questions to admin at psychedelicalex.com. Submission of questions is not an assurance that they will be used on the show. Also, please be aware that neither the submission of a question nor a response creates an attorney-client privilege between you and the show's host, nor does an answer constitute legal advice. Information provided is for general purposes only. If you need legal counsel, you should hire competent counsel in your community. Thank you.